Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're um, uh, very, very psyched. Uh, we're back. We've been away for a little bit. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, uh, Joe, you were in Italy? No, I was something? in France. France. In Italy. France. For how long? Uh, it was just a week. Uh, I was at the Annecy Film Festival. We're there. It's an animation festival, and we have this new uh, Gremlins prequel TV series that uh, that they premiered over there. And um, it was nice. It was I never told you this, but because I, I, we weren't in touch, but um, I showed, I, I, I decided the first horror movie I was going to let my little girl see, this is when they were much younger. This was probably four years ago now. Uh, maybe not, maybe like nine nine and five or nine and nine, six, nine and six. Um, I showed them gremlins and they didn't make it. They freaked the fuck out. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, right. I forgot how violent this movie is. <laughs> it was when she flew the gremlin into the fire where they were like, daddy, can we watch home alone again? Uh, yeah. I, I think, saw, I like, think maybe you needed to. Yeah. It's, 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 wow. a, it's, a, it's a, it's a, an age appropriate year thing. And it's also whether or not they believe in the Santa Claus. Uh, well, I guess, I guess that, um, I don't know. I'm about to, I guess I can top Dennis then for, uh, uh, worst father of the year. Um, one of the reasons I was gone for the last couple of weeks was I was off, uh, adopting a son. My wife and I, um, we're in St. Louis. Uh, can we tell them your news, Joe, about the, uh, sure. Cause the hilarious thing is, uh, my son was born the exact same day as Joe's new granddaughter. So lots of, so we have, yeah. a, we have a link in common. That's, That's right. right. Two additions here. But, and these two uh, will probably end up marrying each other <laughs> <laughs> and starting their own podcast. But, um, but, uh, while you were, um, uh, I, I would say gremlins is pretty inappropriate for, for those kids, Dennis, but, uh, the very first movie that I started miles on, uh, we watched, um, Mad Max Fury road together. So nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That's excellent. I felt it was appropriate because I had read the book on the making of it to him. Um, isn't that great? Oh, it's so good. Such a great book. I love that book. Absolutely amazing. Have you read it, Joe? No. You got to read it. It's, it's, you think, I mean, Joe is first in line to bow down before the genius of George Miller, but you have no idea how much further and deeper it goes. It's amazing. No, I I know it was a particularly difficult movie for George. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. And I love, uh, I think it's, I love that the two stunt people who did the, um, stunts for the fight between Max and Furiosa, uh, ended up falling in love during the fight and getting married. Yes, Aww, that's during great. the fight. That's during the fight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are not like us, Joe. No, no. I'll be throwing but, dishes at each other like the Tasmanian devil and his girlfriend. Exactly. This is the movies that made me with your hosts Josh Olson and Joe Dante. We're, we're here. Um, so thrilled. Uh, a writer, um, uh, 
uh, I have loved forever, as he knows. Um, and, and also, uh, he's a guru at Trailers he from Hell. He's a Trailers from Hell guru, uh, right? But, but the legendary uh, Dennis Lahane is with us, um, author of such great novels as A Drink Before the War and Gone Baby Gone, The Given Day. Um, how many how many of yours have been made into movies now, Dennis? Like five. Mystic River, five? Yeah, we had Mystic yeah. River, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Islands, The Drop, and Live By Night. And Live by Night, that's right. Catching up with Stephen King. <laughs> no uh, way. <laughs> he, he was he was on what I consider to be the greatest writing staff in the history of TV. He was a writer on The Wire. He also wrote Boardwalk Empire. Um, uh, and um, we first met when I adapted a short story of his, which, goddammit, has not been made yet, but someday uh, until Gwen. Um, and he is now the showrunner on a new miniseries on Apple Plus called Blackbird, which is going to be dropping very soon. And there's an embargo, so we're not allowed to talk about Blackbird at all. We can't say a single solitary thing about it, except that he's the showrunner. He wrote it. Um, are we allowed to say it's, it's awesome? Really can we say it's really good? Watch it. What? Are we allowed to say yeah, it's really good? Say it's really good. You can say it's really good. Are we really violating good. the embargo? No, not by saying it's really good. No. Uh, can we talk about the great performances? And the, um... I do have a question. Yeah. The judge. I don't think I'm ruining anything. I'll tell okay. us who we are. The judge, I think in the first episode. Yeah, he's got to be related to Joe Turkle. I don't know. He looks he looks just like him. It's crazy. You know, the bartender in The Shining. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I got to know. I, I, know. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I look he him up looks on IMDb. very different in real life uh, than the judge. He's not a judge looking guy at all. He's just a good actor. Uh, no, he's great. They're all great. It's really good. Um, and I guess that's all we can say. That's about all we can for say now. OK, yes. So, but nonetheless, Nonetheless, a, a week or so after this thing has been shown yeah. or has been, you might to, want to check it out. To check it out. <laughs> and this is, I believe, this is the first thing you've your your first like show as like this is yours, your baby, you're the show. My baby, all the way. Yeah, I've run yeah. writers' rooms. I've run uh, the sort of writing end of things. Uh, but like when I when David Kelly and I did um, a Stephen King adaptation together, right. um, two years I ran L.A. But then we had somebody else running the shoot in right, in South right. Carolina. So that uh, that's that's kind of you know uh, this is the first time I ever did soup to nuts. Everything and it was awesome. I loved it. And and are we allowed to even tell them what it's about or not even? I don't know, Steve. <laughs> He's not saying anything. Okay, we want it's okay. crimey. That's all I'm going to say. It's crime. I'm just pushing crime, it. Crime it. I'm going to get. I'm going to get. <laughs> okay, good. Blackbird is, is is inspired by a true story of a guy named Jimmy Keene who was um, uh, staring down a 10-year sentence without possibility of parole, and the FBI came to him and they said, uh, we will commute your entire sentence if you agree to transfer to a maximum security prison for the criminally insane and elicit a confession from a guy we think is a serial killer. That's a pretty good premise, huh? Yeah, yeah pretty cool. It's so. Actually, it's the story of why I came to Hollywood, actually. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Uh, yeah, get close to Joe Dante. <laughs> it works, huh? It worked, yes. Uh, any day now, he's going to tell me where the bodies are buried. But um, no, this is great because Dennis has uh, uh, not only a great track record in film, but he is a movie lover, has phenomenal taste in film. Um, and uh, it's just kind of an excuse to uh, get him on our show and talk to him about some of the movies that have inspired him over the years. You want to just sort of jump into this and pick one and let's yeah. get into it. I noticed, um, I, I noticed even during the shoot that. Um, a, a lot of roads lead back to apocalypse now for me. Hmm. Um, 
that's that's one that I just, you know, I felt like this was a very similar journey into darkness. I felt it was following a sort of mythological line, just like Apocalypse does. Um, and I thought it was, you know, very much about madness. Yeah, for sure. Apocalypse is. Um, so I, I just, I don't know why I come back as much as I do to Apocalypse now, but I do think it's, it's that perfect fusion of film and movie. You know, it's, it's a, it works as a great movie, but it's also a, an incredibly complex film that you can study. Um, and that's, to me, that's the dream. Like, I don't ever want to do a film or a TV show or a book that feels like homework. I just, I don't. I, to me, a great film is, is Apocalypse Now. It's The Crying Game. It's, it's films that are incredibly enjoyable and yet yield so many treasures upon repeated viewings, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the real joy is going back and seeing them again. And, and uh, yeah, all the, all the new things you discovered, all the things you discover about the changes in yourself along the way. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's, that's another, that is something that's actually kind of sweet because one of the, one of my favorites that now you, you have an uneasy relationship with surprisingly because of this, some of the sexual politics is, uh, you know, is diner. And I, mm. I love Diner for the dialogue and I love Diner for the, the loose improv improvisational feel of it, you know? Um, yeah. And, but then, you know, there is this scene with the popcorn and that's a bit, you know, I was going to say, I haven't gone back to it in a long time. I love it. I must've seen it a dozen times. Um, yeah. When you're of a certain age, been. it's the best, you know? Yeah. When you're a little and, older, you start to go, yeah, it's a little, but yeah. does it, I mean, that stuff seems, I mean, obviously uh, the characters are, are not exactly uh, morally pure, um, but that scene, what am I trying to say? It's like, I, I don't get the sense that the film is endorsing that behavior. This scene. Yeah. But it is certainly play for comedy. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, like, there would no, there's no way you would get that scene done now. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, but it's still, I, I absolutely, I remember just being a transformational film for me and, and to see a film where, where it's just guys, you know, it's just people sitting in a, in a booth talking and you can make that interesting. But they were talking in ways that I don't recall having seen in movies before uh, until yeah. then. It was, they were actually talking about the kind of stuff you actually talk about at a diner with your friends, even if. It's not the exact specifics. They're talking about sports. They're talking about movies and and specific movies and specific teams. And and it always seemed to me that up until then, movies had to be, which, which, they, they had to sort of avoid that. You had to avoid kind of locking things down into a specific way for. Well, it's particularly they didn't want to date them, you know. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So I guess if Diner had been set in 1980 when it was filmed or when it was released, then it would have dated itself. But because it's set in right. late 1959, you know, right. and the kid it'll who walks around. It'll always be 1959. It'll always be 1959. Exactly. Like the kid exactly. who always just walks around quoting Sweet, Sweet Smell of Success. Yes. I just love that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think I saw that before I saw Sweet Smell of Success. And I remember finally uh, a couple of years That later, may have turned it. us both on to Sweet Smell of Success. Which yes, is one of my favorites, <laughs> exactly. You know? Like exactly. it came from Diner, you know? <laughs> Very uh, much so. But I mean, I think about like um, uh, American Graffiti, you know, while there are, you know, there's all those needle drops. Um, the conversations aren't quite, they're still in that kind of broad movie way. They're not talking about 
specific things from that. Am I misremembering Joe White? I feel like no, it's, 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 uh, it, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's like Apocalypse Now in that it's got that kind of character stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. got the, it's got the, you know, like there's a great moment where, uh, where they're talking and, and, and Steve Gutenberg says to Daniel Stern, you, you've, you've gone this low in my, 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 book and and daniel stern does a spit take and 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 it's you you realize that um that that wasn't that wasn't planned it totally (laughs) wasn't planned and they filmed they you know and it was because gutenberg forgot his line and and then daniel stern burst out laughing at steve gutenberg not at the character and then they kept it in the movie it was yeah and it feels yes it feels completely right and i also i remember god the poor Poor Ellen Barkin having to take that stupid test. Um, no, no, it's not Ellen Barkin. It's the woman you never see. Wait, Steve no, it's Gutenberg's uh, fiance. You never see her correct. face. Correct. That's right. That's right. I apologize. Yes, yeah. it's been a while. Um, that's right. But yeah, uh, no, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's great stuff. And I remember also. Remember, people were. Um, I have to imagine you were a Homicide fan. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Now, and I remember when the the pilot for Homicide dropped, and it ended with a bunch of cops sitting around having a conversation that was completely in place for a Barry Levinson production. And I remember at the time, a lot of people being bent out of shape because they felt like he was ripping off Tarantino. He'd what? They felt he was ripping off Tarantino. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> when Yes. No. When he was just doing diner. <laughs> he was just doing diner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a great film. It is such a great film. Yes. Um, but, but, it holds up. You're saying it's worth going back to. And yeah. 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 No, I think they, you know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything. Trying to think when I watched something where I was like, "Oh, that doesn't hold up at all." Um, yeah, that feels like uh, one that would. And just remember, that? just and then just the revelation of of Mickey Rourke. It was like, was that the same year, or like the year after Body Heat? And he was and Body Heat. Starting, yeah, they did Body he was Heat. just starting yeah. to blow up, and you're like, "Who yeah. is this guy?" He's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Uh, give us another one, man. What's that? Hit us with another one. Oh, um, trying to think of the things that kept coming up when we were shooting the show. Oh, Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet for sure. Um, I, I, it's, it's funny. I remember there was a poll at the end of the 1980s with the best films of the 1980s. And, and it was, I think it was a national critics poll. And number one was Raging Bull and number two was Blue Velvet. And now it seems like people don't talk about Blue Velvet as much anymore. Not as much as Raging Bull. At least. No. And I, I find it an absolutely perfect film. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it's so daring. And I was, I met, it's funny. I had to have a meeting with Laura Dern about a year ago. And I was like, I'm sitting across from Sandy. <laughs> and then I said, you know, there's never been, in my opinion, there has never been uh, a broken, the, the true essence of an adolescent's broken heart. As yeah. Laura Dern collapsing in that room saying, where's my dream? You know, mm-hmm. and to just yeah. the balls to actually, I say balls on this. Uh, just the the, the <laughs> balls to actually know you could pull that scene off to have a character sitting and crying and saying a line as big as "Where's my dream?" and yet it worked. So yeah. she's so shattered in that scene. It's amazing. Oh, um, she's yeah. And I just I I find that I could watch that movie a thousand times and still see new things, and it's always enjoyable, even though it's dark as hell. Um, and yeah, I, I we 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 brought that up a lot, particularly in editing. We oh, kept coming back to Blue Velvet. Um, 
Have you ever watched the, um, they finally, it was weird. They, they had never done this before. Well, Lynch had never done this. He, they, they did a Blu-ray of it a few years ago that had like an hour's worth of outtakes and deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. Did you, have you watched them? No. It's really fascinating because you realize that Lynch did, did not know what the movie was until long after he had shot it. Because there's I, so I, much I, stuff in it that's terrible. It was like a 180-page script or something. something yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And it's just, I found it so liberating to realize that this, this absolute genius that you know he actually went so far as to shoot scenes that I think most of us would have seen on the page eventually and gone, oh, that's not going to work. It, and you look at this stuff, and I think it's really telling there's not a single frame of uh, Dennis Hopper in, in the deleted scenes because he's so great. But there's so much stuff in it that's just, you can't believe what you're watching. But What's remarkable a, is that Dino let him get away with it. Yeah. 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 But it's over well, six million, did, I guess. Yeah. You know? and, and then that he found the film that, that we've all seen and that he was able to do that. It just, it made me feel like he's a little more accessible. The fact that he can actually shoot something so awful and yet still create such, you know. <laughs> I think that's true of all of us. That's why I don't get directors who release director's cuts, except for Peter Weir, you know, who cut a minute. He cut two minutes out of um, Picnic and Hanging Rock. He was like, this isn't quite obscure enough. And, so, <laughs> and, and everybody else, they add shit. And all it does is it's like, it would be like if I released a, a, a book that was filled with the 200 pages me and my editor cut out. Like, I don't right. get it. Like, well, but it's, but that, that takes us back to Apocalypse Now, which is, you know, exists in a couple of different versions. And they don't, I'm sorry, they don't. There is only Apocalypse yes, Now. Right. The exactly. Ducks is, yes. is, you're like, no, no, I, I was literally watching it this week just because I had time to kill and at night and I would watch 20 minutes of, of Redux and it's worse than I remember. Mm. Like, it's like, no, this, none of this stuff should have been in there. You well, may have more play. Playboy bunnies though. It has more, play- and those scenes are excruciating. <laughs> and they're terrible. Yeah. Imagine oh. making a movie where you have like stunning <laughs> naked women and you're like, no, no, cut them. <laughs> oh. And I, I would say, I was like, the only thing that, I could see uh, making an argument for is there's a moment when Martin Sheen laughs and you, and it at least humanizes Willard a little bit. And you're like, okay, maybe find a way to get that, you know, the two minutes around that scene in fine, but everything else just derails the momentum. Yeah. And then the new, new version too. What is, what was that called? I can't even remember the Redux uh, again or something. Redux again. Yeah. Redux, redux. <laughs> it's just it, yeah. Yeah, Redux, Redux. Uh, the thing, as long as he keeps, as long as the original is still available on those sets, I don't mind what he does. It's, well, no, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true for Star Wars for a while. Still. Right. Right. Okay, which, which is an abomination. We're, yeah. Damn it. Let us see the films that we saw as children, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah Michael, um, Michael Mann is very quiet tinkering with all his films. Yes. Each version is different. It's a little the, bit the, different. I just find it frustrating. A lot of Manhunters. I was going to say, yeah, I have so many different man. copies of Manhunters, exactly. and I can't get rid of any of them because each of them has a couple of scenes, the others don't. And they're yeah. all pretty good. There's like not a moment in them where you're like, oh, that's terrible. Well, he loves to use the line, time is luck. He has yeah, time is luck. Time yeah. is luck shows up in Manhunter. Time is luck shows up in Public Enemies. Time is luck shows up in uh, Miami Vice. Um, and it was added back into Manhunter. because It wasn't in the first <laughs> version of Manhunter. So, so I would love to. Uh, does anybody done the the, uh, the definitive study of how many cuts of that there are? The what? I wonder if anyone's done the definitive study of how many cuts of Manhunter there are. And the uh, well, back back when Video Watchdog was being published, you would probably be able to find that kind of article. Do that. Yeah. Ooh, 
Ooh, and the there's, also a, there's also a lot of cuts of uh, Last of the Mohicans, apparently. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. I did not notice anything. No, he keeps going back and tinkering and fooling around. I mean, it's it's Kubrickian in a way, you know. Yeah. Wow. I didn't. And know the Coen Brothers just did a, the the Criterion edition of Miller's Crossing, which is my favorite Coen Brothers film. They have slightly tweaked and and cut down. Um, and there's They've one or two. Down. See, yeah, good for them. There's like one. Yeah, I didn't miss it as much as I thought. There's like one scene with with Mike Starr gets hit in the face and they cut his line. Um, but it actually works. I mean, they, they know what they're doing, but yeah, they made it shorter. They made it shorter. Wow. They okay. did that with blood simple too, but yeah, it's the, uh, although, although aliens, I would argue the long version of aliens is pretty damn good. It's good, but you don't, what's, what's there, you know, because it's, it, it adds a little emotional heft to her mm-hmm. relationship with Newt, but you know, their relationship with Newt was still kicking along pretty good. Yeah, it worked fine. It's yes, yeah. I didn't, I didn't need the action. Uh, but I, I will give you that. I think maybe Aliens is the only one that I can think of where you're like, oh, that helps. Yeah. You know? And Once Upon a Time in America, but that's yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm not. A, are you a fan of the? Well, I mean, I, I just I I can't of love which? that movie. Of, of which? the long of the long version of that. Of either version. I, I, well, the only, the only the only the only version that should exist is the long version, and yeah. and right. as I think I I told you this when I was doing uh, something at Warner Brothers, and I was walking back the back lot, and I heard this Ennio Morricone music, and uh, I I said it sounds like Morricone, so I I walked into this editing room, and this guy I knew uh, was working on cutting uh, Once Upon a Time in America, and uh, I said I said. Is, is Sergio around anywhere? Oh no, he doesn't know about it um, because he was working for Alan Ladd, oh. and uh, and so I went to my friend Todd McCarthy at Variety, and I said, you know, there's something funny going on over at Warner Brothers with this uh, <laughs> this this Leone movie, and uh, they sort of blew they 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 published the story, and it became a, a big deal that, I, that he didn't know they were recutting the movie, uh, and so they. Um, you know, they released their version of the movie, which is not only recut, but restructured. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. just a different yeah. movie. Um, and it, it, it tanked and got, you know, pretty bad reviews. And then eventually, finally, the original version came out, uh, which is far, far better than the chopped up one. But for a while, that was all we were going to get to see. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize you were the guy who blew the whistle on that. I you. did. I was oh. proud to do it. Every day, I'm I'm prouder and prouder to know. <laughs> um, I'm I'm still not. I just I don't love the film though. It's, no, it doesn't. You know what it is? No, no, I don't like it as much as the other Once Upon yeah. a Time. But uh, it, but it's it's certainly it's certainly an, a, a very interesting and uh, detailed view. And the Beautiful problem mess. is there, there's nobody to like. Yeah, nope. nobody to like, and there and the story doesn't ultimately line up. It, you remember in the, it's I, I watched it recently. And I couldn't put my finger on some of the things I didn't like about it besides, you know, but, but there's a moment about two thirds of the way through where James Woods pulls a, don't you call me crazy moment. And there's been nothing leading up to it. And all of a sudden we're to accept that he's out of his mind and, da- and, and highly dangerous. And, and you're there like, was a little flash of what was actually going to happen to him. Yeah. You gave us, <laughs> you gave us four hours and you, you know, four hours, you could have gotten that piece of info in, you know, so, but it's beautiful. And I, it's my favorite poster ever. Oh, and I own it. And I, I have yes. a beautiful European version of it hanging uh, in my house. So, yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go it's got great, it's, it's so many great lines. My God, it's got great lines. In it, you know, 
Uh, De Niro at one point says, you can tell you can tell the winners and the losers from the starting gate. Who would ever put a nickel on you? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely elements. It just I and it is one of those ones. I'm like, um, I want to know, like you know, Heaven's Gate, which I, I have only gone back to twice and will never again. But uh, <laughs> once in a time in America, I can go back to again and again and enjoy not enjoying it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there are pieces that are just so gorgeous to look at. Hit us up with another one. Whenever I'm in a bad mood or whenever I'm just depressed about the world or whenever I just need to feel good again, I always watch Midnight Run. I've seen uh, Midnight Run, I think, more than any human being alive. Uh, well, um, well, you better pull it out tonight. <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, yeah, I know. Um, but yes, I absolutely adore that. And we've lost two members of Midnight Run cast in the last year. Very yeah. sad. Yeah, Fed Cotto and... Um, Gordon. Charles Gordon. Uh, but yeah, that is a, I think that's pretty close to a perfect script. Or it's maybe, I don't know, maybe this, maybe I didn't read the script. I don't know, but whatever Martin Brest did with it, but that's, it that's plays like a perfect script. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, and I remember at the time too, it was like, it was a little, it was like De Niro's going to do a comedy. It felt like he was, he was doing something. He hadn't done that before really. I mean, yeah. all my stuff doesn't count. It, it felt like he was sort of stepping down from the pedestal a little bit. I feel like there was a kind of lowered expectation. And I remember seeing that movie going, sweet Jesus, this is, this is great. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody really remembers great. this anymore, but, but th that was this summer. I have just very vivid memory of it. It's three of my you know, favorites came out that summer. In, in within one month, you got Die Hard, Bull Durham, and Midnight Run. And they're three of my favorite movies to this day. And you Deadpool. Know. Don't forget Deadpool. Deadpool? <laughs> you mean Deadpool? <laughs> you mean Deadpool? Yeah, they're Deadpool. I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> I, a, I have a friend who went to see uh, Deadpool, a double feature of Deadpool, and then a sneak preview of Die Hard the same day. And he said it was like, it was like visiting with the dinosaurs and then watching the meteor hit them. <laughs> wow oh wow that's a great line yeah but uh uh yeah no that was that was uh what was that 86 it was, it was summer of 80 um 88 yeah but midnight run how how i can't i can't even put my it, it's just what you, you oh no we just lost philip seymour um philip baker hall too that's right that's right yeah. been a bad year man yeah um yeah, because everything works. It's one of those movies where everything, the score is fantastic. Danny Elfman's score, so good. Uh, the script is so good. The actors are so committed. It's hysterically funny. Um, and yet it's human. It's got the great thing with the watch, you know? Yeah. Um, well, they're all there to play. I mean, they're doing it for real. It just, it seems like the kind of thing, everything about it should be much slighter than it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's not, overly burdened by seriousness or probably I mean, it's, it's just, it's such a, uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I don't think I've seen it as many times as you were, but I can watch it anytime. And it just always feels good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I run on, you know, you yes. two of the worst bounty. <laughs> you couldn't deliver a bottle of milk. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. One of the guys who worked on this show with me, um, he always, he finishes, uh, every one of his emails with a line from um, Midnight Run. Every, <laughs> yeah. is, you know, he'll sign off as I'll have the tea. 
Uh, <laughs> and and do most people get it, or are they just no? He just with me. I think he's just doing oh, okay. it with me. But it's just like a, it's like you know using the litmus configuration. Um, <laughs> the litmus configuration. <laughs> oh dear, I'm gonna have to watch it right now. This George Gallo wrote that. I don't know that he's he's written some movie other movies, but he I don't know. That seems to be the the grand slam. Yeah, yeah, that one's just the perfect confluence. Um, and then on a totally different note, the other one that we did, did refer to a lot when we were shooting the show, and you'll probably see it when you watch it, is I said that I wanted all of the rural uh, pastoral stuff to look like... Um, Can I guess? What you call? Oh, yeah, sure, guess. Uh, would you, would you, Days of Heaven? Yes, Days of Heaven. Days of I, heaven. Do have the, I do have the list in front of me, but there are other possibilities. Oh, another movie that... <laughs> you know, I gotta say, another movie that is... Is probably a credit to the studio system, mm. you know, because Man- Malik was forced to deliver a ninety-five minute cut. Right. When's the last time he did one of those? One of those. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's I. I think that I know that movie's cold as hell, but it is. Oh, it's beautiful. Though. It's beautiful. It's so great. Um, There's something though. It was all. If I recall, even at the time, Richard Gere's hair was a little off-putting. It was a little off-putting. You were off, you so- put off by the hair. It's so 70s. He had such 70s hair in that film. Oh, I was just always so jealous of his hair that I never noticed what decade <laughs> it was. You know? Dude's got some nice hair. I'll take See, his that's hair. A much That's a much healthier way to look at it. I'm sitting there yes. thrown out of the movie and you're just enjoying it all the more. You know, in, in the story behind that movie, that Malik was so angry that he didn't get um, John Travolta. But I don't see how right Travolta would have can you believe, would you have believed I think that's, role? that's not good casting. Yeah. Yeah. I just I wouldn't have believed him in okay. that in 19, yeah. you know, 10. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you're right. There's also, there's some actors who are just uh, contemporary looking. Yeah. It's like, you can't. don't, you know, it was, it was, you know, the central problem, even though it's a great performance, the central problem with the mission was always like, you just had a hard time believing that Robert De Niro was running around in a, right. you know, well, yeah, or it's like uh, or Harvey Keitel and Passion of the Christ. Yeah, Harvey Keitel and Passion of the Christ. Yeah, it's yeah. Why is that guy those, from those guys? Those guys are from a certain time, a certain <laughs> place, and when you put them in it, they're great. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Days of Heaven and, is and Linda Manns. What well, oh, Linda Manns? I know. Oh, my God, such a, such a great. So she her. just she just died too. What a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you know she's got that stuff. I found out. I, I watched a documentary on it. And half of her narration came from she would walk on over to uh, Terrence Malick's house after a day of shooting, and he would sit on the floor with her, and, and he'd have a, a, a like a um, he'd have a recorder and a microphone, and he would just say, "Just talk, just talk, just tell me some things." And so that whole sequence where she's they use it over the train sequence when the train is train is coming, and he and he and she says. Um, I met this guy once, told me the whole earth is going up in flames. Flames will come out of here and there. The water is going to rise in the flames. People are going to be screaming and hollering. And the people who've been good, they're going to go to heaven. But if you ain't been good, God don't hear you. He ain't even listening. And, and that came yes. from one of her things. Yeah. That was just Linda Mann's talking. And, and Malik was like, I'm, I'm using that. <laughs> this is gold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god, um, that is fantastic! Oh. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that she had that that little run of, um, and they just came out with um, "Out of the Blue." It was a nice Blu-ray of it. She did "Out of the Blue," "The Wanderers," "The Wanderers," 
and then that was it. And then she yeah. sort of, and then she showed back up in um, the game. In the game, that is correct. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, great stuff. I love the Wanderers too. I'm, I'm sure you must be a fan of that. Or... You know, Out of the Blue started out as a movie that was centered around the Raymond Burr character. What? Yep. <laughs> that that was the original. What is he a lawyer or something? That was with a different director. Wait a minute! Didn't you, I, have, didn't to, you have to go on? Because he's got two scenes. Look it up on IMDb. I know he's only got two scenes, but but there was a whole different movie that was supposed to be made until Dennis came in. Wow, that's right. Because he did come. I know he came out. Yeah, I didn't realize that. that wow, that much had been changed. Wow. Because yeah, he's in two scenes. It's also surreal when Raymond Burr shows up in this crazy punk rock movie with like <laughs> Dennis Hopper and Linda Manns and all. <laughs> really. Really, it's just fantastic Hollywood Broke my lore. Range, Joe Dante. I know. I, I, I want to. I have to go back yeah. and watch it again. What's um, that? I, mean, I know. I got to go back and watch that again. I, I haven't it. seen it since I was a kid. It it, it's pretty I, cool. It's fun. It's it's it's, it's got a movie. Yeah, it's definitely worth your time. It'll take you back to a time. It's got some great music, and uh, uh, it's it's got its it's got its flaws, but. Man, it's just, it's a delight to watch. Definitely worth, worth tracking down. Hey, so we're just going to take a break in the middle of our conversation with the great Dennis Lehane and uh, talk about our wonderful, wonderful sponsors. Um, you know, so many of the movies we talk about on the show uh, today, last week, well, we weren't around last week, but you know what I mean? Previous episodes uh, are available at moviesunlimited.com, the expert on movies since 1978. You'll find thousands of titles to choose from. Classics, hard-to-find titles, and new releases, too. So support our sponsor and be good to yourself. If you uh, go to the trailers from our website, there's a Movies Unlimited banner. You can click on that. It'll take you there. You can buy your favorites. Um, if you go to the Movies Unlimited website, you'll see a trailer from Hell section or a Movies That Made Me section from the podcast. You click on that. It'll show you every episode. Every episode will have a breakdown of all the movies that have been mentioned and links to where you can buy them absolutely amazing website they're great people you should go there right now movies 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 that's what we love and that's why you're here go now to moviesunlimited.com the movie collector's website where shipping is always free on orders over 50 dollars when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But uh, yeah, well, let's let's do another one. This I got a this is one of the, one of the coolest ones. A, a movie I didn't even mention, but I, I'm thinking about it now. How much I watch it, how much I learn from it is, um, uh, you know, the French Connection, and and I was thinking about how I've studied the hell out of that movie. I think it's just because it's so elliptical in so many ways that. Um, and I had this moment where I realized this is this is Moby Dick. This is all this is that, that he's Ahab, and the frog number one is the whale. And it's really about class rage. That when he decides to go after him is because he sees the way Tony Lobianco, Lobianco, is that how you said it? Yeah. When he sees how he's being treated by the cigarette girl. It's mm. it's 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 pure class rage. 
She's just like, why should he get to flirt with that girl? And I don't. And, and then it turns into this massive obsession. So at the very end, you know, spoiler alert, at the very end, you don't even know what happens in that room. Right. I mean, it's the only movie that ends with the end is like, yeah, ones in that went through that door. He goes through the door. There's a gunshot. It goes black. That's it. There's your movie. And, and it was, I was like obsessing over that for a long time before I realized, well, of course, it's not about whether he gets the guy or not. It's about the fact that he was, he's so driven by this point. He literally shot another cop in the face and was just like, I'm still going. Mm. He's like, you just shot Frankie in the face. And he's like, uh, frog number one went through that door. That's it. You know? And Hackman's wife sent me a copy of my first book and said that it was Gene Hackman's favorite book. And I signed it. Oh my God. And could you sign it to him for his 80th birthday? Oh my God. And so I did. And I wrote him a note. And said someday if I ever meet you, I want to know if French Connection is, is, is Moby Dick, but he never responded. <laughs> At least I got to write to Gina. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh wow. That's uh, that's that's great. That's a wonderful thing to to hear. I can imagine. It's sweet, but then it makes you go like like I'm like most authors. You, you like my first book? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Can we, can we, I want to, I want to jump in and, and push you in a direction because it connects these two. Yeah, um, please. Can, can we talk about wages of fear? Yes. Oh, yes. The, the connection should be obvious, but. Well, then we're back to Friedkin again, but. Yes. Um, wages of fear is just, I, I just feel it's, it's one of the great indictments of, of maleness, really, when you look at it. I mean, it's these guys who give up everything to essentially go on a suicide mission. And, and, you know, the very, you know, last shots of the movie, the juxtaposition between him driving down the road and her dancing in a club waiting for him. And he's too stupid <laughs> to focus enough on the road. Like, it's just, uh, it's, I, I think it's just an, a, an amazing look at the, the links that men are, you know, that, that great old line, uh, all the problems in the world are caused by a man's inability to sit in a room by himself mm, that's wages okay. of fear man you know <laughs> just, you know uh and it's so tense it's so tense it's the the direction is just off the charts um and i, I just i adore i yeah i love that movie that's my favorite no, when, it, uh, when it first came out here uh, it was 20 minutes shorter because they cut out all the anti-american they cut out all the anti-american stuff and yeah. all the anti-corporate stuff right which only left the chase yeah, that wouldn't do it. <laughs> but since then, it's been uh, it's been restored. restored. Yeah, I wrote the I actually wrote the Criterion. That's um, right. Yes, intro for it. So I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and and in and, fact, I remember at the time when I, so. But but do you do you prefer it to Sorcerer? No, I don't prefer Sorcerer. I don't. I you prefer you prefer it to Sorcerer. Oh yeah, I prefer. Okay. You know, Freakin famously said to Cluzo, um, "I'd like to remake Wages of Fear, even though I know I'm going to fuck it up." <laughs> And it's like, well, then why do it? Like, you know, like, let's go remake again, remake like Ocean's Eleven. That's smart. We'll remake great movies. I, I generally agree, but I, I am a huge fan of, uh, of, uh, of Sorcerer. I actually it's incredible. Think. There's some great stuff in it, but it's, it's, uh, and, and I think the, the bridge sequence in Sorcerer is mm. better than the, than the bridge sequence in Wages of Fear, obviously, because 25 years later, but. Sure. 
Um, and the and the scene with the two guys when they hit the is it's a good way of looking at it. The two guys who blow the tire, it happens in both films, yeah. right? In Wages of Fear, you know it happens. The tire hits, and then they they cut to the point of view of the other truck, and they can see in a distance, they can see the smoke. Right. In Friedkin's version, they're laughing, they hit the bump, they look at each other, yep. and you watch them die. I think that's I can't decide which is better. Joe, you're the yeah. director. Which one do you like? <laughs> I love the different movies. That's What's in color? The, the, the shot from the distance <laughs> is pretty amazing. Though. I mean, I, and I had not seen that before. Uh, yeah. I've seen it since because it, it, does, it does something with your perspective and your sense of, of other people's existence and, and meaning. And, and then they get there and there's nothing left but oil. Yeah. When they reach where the explosion happened, they can't even find the guys. There's just oil. Yeah, I just I, but I've been I, I am a giant fan of sorcery. I just did a um, brief uh, Zoom Q and A with with Billy to introduce it at a, a screening at the Cinematheque last month, and um, he said, I, "Have we even talked? I don't think I talked to you about this, Joe. It was it was sort of surprising because uh, uh, you you know him pretty well. I know him a little bit. We spent time around him. This time he said um, he felt that Sorcerer was the best movie he'd ever made. It was him at his peak, and he said of the previous Who's films he, he had made, William Preakin." Yeah, but who's Pete? You said peak at his peak. Sorry. Oh, at his peak. I got you. And okay. he said, he said, really, he goes, maybe except for the car chase, he goes, anybody could have directed French Connection or Exorcist. No. No. <laughs> well, you know, no. Billy, Billy, is that you? Or are you? He's a, he's a, he's a very opinionated guy, yeah. uh, but his opinions <laughs> don't necessarily um, match from from time to time, from moment to moment. You yeah. Know, as long I find that I get along great with him as long as I don't mention Exorcist too. Oh well, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, he says he's never even sat through. He's, he he also said it was the worst movie ever. He watched made. the first ten minutes of it. It was the worst movie ever made. He has gone on rants. He's excoriated poor John Borman to the point where it's just it's embarrassing. But he is just—he just is a rabid, rabid hatred for that movie. Really? Which I actually find is kind of an interesting movie. Doesn't well, work. Why but, does he care? Uh, I don't know. I guess he felt personally threatened or something. Or, or just offended, yeah. yeah. Huh. But yeah, I'd never heard him so humble about the, the first, any of his films, but to, to, to state that anybody could have made French Connection or Exorcist. Bullshit. That's total. Yeah, like, that's get the, total. Get the hell out of here, I, I, you know, French <laughs> Connection has so many things in it that are, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the sound of French Connection. Mm -hmm. Just the, the, I don't think it's ever been captured that way. I don't think you've ever heard a city feel like a city. Mm. Just when Gene Hackman's, just before the guy tries to take a shot at Gene Hackman, he's walking into the projects where he lives, this housing project where he lives, and it sounds just like a housing project. Like in a way that no movie is ever captured. It's, it's I don't know. I, I, I totally disagree. I, I love the documentary feel of it. I don't think, I think anybody else made French Connection, it would just be a normal cop movie. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. I, and Exorcist has all those weird, like, wonderful, uh, sudden, quick telephoto shots of people, like these zooms. Uh, sorry, that's what I should have said. You know, these, these sudden zooms. Like, you'll yeah. just be, like, really far away, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, it's like when he's, when he's talking about losing his faith. You know, Jason Miller's talking about losing his faith. They, they, this really weird zoom that just comes in and then, and then sucks you right into the moment. It's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, and then he's wrong. 
I mean, I'm just going to say it flat out. Wrong. I'm sorry. He's wrong. wrong. Well, sometimes uh, we're not our own, the best judges of our own work. No, no. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I always say that the last person you should trust uh, yeah. with an opinion on their work <laughs> is the man who made it. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, an argument I have often with friends who, you know, they'll they'll cite some filmmaker or author's theory about their own work as though it's the final say. And you're like, that's the maniac who created it. He has no idea where that came from. You know? Mick, Jagger, Mick Jagger said, Steel Wills is as good an album as, as Exile on Main Street. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's empirically wrong. Yes, I can prove that with a calculator. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> Or back when people can still talk about Woody Allen, Woody Allen would say his best movie was Stardust Memories. You're like, right. no, it's not. <laughs> You're wrong. You know, it's better than people thought in time. It's, it's, it's an awfully good movie, actually. Yes, but, it's a very good movie, but it's not Manhattan. That's right. Or, yeah. or even any. Or Crimes and Misdemeanors. Um, no, oh. but, but Manhattan is the one that got him into such trouble. Though. You know, aside well, from what's now. going on, aside from what's been going on in the tabloids and all that. I mean, if, if you look. At Manhattan, there's so many things about it that are now so non-me too. Oh God! Uh, yeah. That it's it's actually I, some people find it very uncomfortable to watch. I always found it uncomfortable. I yeah, mean, it was uncomfortable at the time, Joe. She's 14 or something. I, I wasn't changing with the times. I was always I'm like that's previous. <laughs> no, uh, but it's still a beautiful looking movie. Um, yeah, I, I've been having trouble with. The, has anybody watched? Uh, has anybody watched The Old Man? Have not yet. No. I have. Uh, it's one where I have a little trouble with the relationship between Jeff Bridges and Amy Brenneman. I'm like, why is Amy Brenneman attracted to a senior citizen? I mean, it just feels weird. Maybe she saw his old movies. Yeah, maybe she did. Because <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bridges is a fantastic looking older man, but still. Yeah. Um, what was the, there was a Clint Eastwood film where he was well. I think it was the last breezy. time he did this. No, not breezy. No, he was in his. It was like absolute power or something. So he walks into a bar, and he's you know seventy five year old Clint Eastwood, and he sits down, and you know Mary McCormick sitting at the end of the bar, you know it was maybe like thirty at most, and stunning, and she looks at him and she goes, <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Come on, man, well, you got to stop. You got to oh, stop. Really? Uh, great. Someone should have said you can't do that anymore. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's hit another one. What else do you got? I can't apply how it would apply, but I love. Uh, I've seen Young Frankenstein a bazillion times. That's another yep. one. Although, and I uh, and I should have broken up with somebody once based on she failed the Young Frankenstein test. She said to me, "We watched the movie," and she said, "This is a comedy." Oh, what? I should have done that with her right there. I should have just, you know, been no, done with it. Uh, no. I think I let it whimper on for a few more months. Yes. Were you just? Was it just the two of you watching it too? It was me, her, and another person, and she just. This is a comedy. It was like, oh my god. Well, she was watching it. In a, if she was watching with an audience, it probably would be a different experience. Yeah. Nah. I saw Holy Grail with someone I was dating briefly in a at the at the New Art packed house, people dying laughing, and she just sat there stone faced. It's like it it had no, it had no effect. I saw Naked Gun that with with a person like that. We were all dying, and she was like looking around at everybody like they were insane. <laughs> and it was like, okay, well, this is you know, 
I think there's, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was going to show his, um, his wife, uh, Repo Man, which is one of our, was one of our favorite films. And, and I said, that's, yeah, that can go sideways fast. Repo Man is one of those movies. If you don't see it with the audience, people it, you talk about crickets, but if yeah. you see it with an audience, you know, or now those of us who treat it as a cult film, you know, then you can, you know, then you can enjoy it. But I think Buckaroo Banzai was the same way. That's yeah. Those are sad moments. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're watching like, for the first time. You're watching one of those, and and the person with is just silent, and you just you just feel the air go out of the room. Yeah, it's, but it's particularly bad if you have to reevaluate your entire relationship. <laughs> yes, that's, that's when it's a real bummer. <laughs> that's when it's a particular bummer. Yeah. 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 I try to resist that urge based on one film, but yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a yes. stupid reason to judge someone. This is a stupid reason. God damn it. What's and what if they don't her? like the same music you like? I mean, what are you people doing together anyway? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What do you listen no, to? No, I think it depends. I think comedy is one thing. I think that, you know, my, my wife uh, just does not like um, violent, you know, heavily violent movies. She just does not like them. And so she's like, you know, I want to show her sexy beast. She's like, I don't want to watch sexy beast. You know, I'm like, it's one of my favorite movies. And she's like, yeah, but I don't want to watch it. I don't take that personally. I know that's a, that's not a judgment on her character, but if we were watching, I don't know, walk hard and she wasn't laughing, uh, be an issue. That could be a problem. Yeah. What's my wife does not, my wife does not do horror films and it's, um, um, it's yeah, tough. I don't really either. Very, very tough. It's tough, but it's she does crime films. She does enjoy her okay. sexy beast. So. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Too, there's not too many horror films. I we watched the others recently, um, which holds up beautifully, and I could watch that a million times, you know. But I, I all these knife in the head movies, I, it's not for me. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of uh, good what? A lot of good ones. There's a lot of good um, knife in the head movies. No, a lot of good horror movies. Okay, give me. No, he means knife couple. in the head movies. He means knife in the head. Give me a couple of horror movies. Flasher. Movies. I mean, I mean, Halloween is a great. Film. Well, Halloween's a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. See, there you go. Uh, uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. What about like the Saw stuff? Uh, I actually I was surprised. I sort of, I kind of enjoyed the first Saw. I, some of those movies get a bad rap, but a lot of them do not. I would say. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not racing off to you know. Uh, I don't have the no, collection. It's more more human centipede for you, right? Uh, yeah, you're Joe a human guy. Yeah. <laughs> My, I have seen Human Centipede. My twelve-year-old. So this goes back to we'll swing it all back around. My twelve-year-old uh, last year. So was she eleven still, or no? She just turned twelve, and she said all her friends and her were going to watch The Conjuring. And I said, I don't know my horror movies anymore, honey. I don't watch horror movies, so I'm going to watch it on a plane before I decide if you can see it. <laughs> that is the scariest. <laughs> MF and movie ever made that put Halloween and the Exorcist in the rear view for terms of pure Interesting. fear. Yeah, so did you let her watch it? Or terrifying. No? no, I was like, there's no way you're watching. And I had to go back. I was flying from Boston, New Orleans, where we were shooting the show. I was staying in the Garden District in a massive haunted mansion. And I had just seen the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I had to go back into my empty haunted mansion. And it was, I was freaking out for like three days straight. Couldn't walk past a mirror without jumping. <laughs> wow. See, that was the one I remember because I, terrific film. It did not, you know, you see enough of them, you get a certain numbness. I think one of the reasons you keep going is you, you're chasing that dragon, you know? 
And I remember seeing the country and going, yep, yeah, this is good. It's better, better than I thought it'd be. It's really beautifully directed. And and uh saw my friend Dan. And then I, I went home and uh Nancy was like, How how was it? And I just I yelled at her. I was just like, I was angry at her because I realized if she had been there with me, uh, she would have had like your reaction because she's not inured to this stuff. And I could have feasted psychically on her terror and had a better time. <laughs> and she had denied me that. Oh, so 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 uh, our actually Taryn, who's the star of our show, he he has this weird peccadillo where he likes to watch horror movies completely alone. Oh, interesting. And okay. he's like, "Yeah, I watched I watched The Conjuring completely alone in my house." And I'm like, "What is wrong with you? Like like I'm I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm now screwed for a week. You know? Was he scared by it? Did it work? For he, him? Th- he was like, it was very scary. Yeah, it's great. Oh, okay, all right." I like having somebody I can I can vampire like you know leech off of because if it's not working for me, I can at least enjoy their fear. But did you but did you I guess that's what I'm at after. Were you actually frightened when you saw the conjuring or were you just sort no. of like ah, nice crash? No, but I was like, but if Nancy had been there, I could have gotten it secondhand through her. But I, I wasn't. I I really wasn't. I was I thought there were some nice jumps and I got that it was working for an audience, but if you're just sort of like you know, if you're as completely desensitized to horror and violence as I guess I am. He's so jaded. It's just, wow, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a, I was like, yeah. Was terrible bad. thing. Terrible thing. So, but I don't watch uh, them. I, I literally right. don't watch. I think, you know, I've seen maybe 10 in the last 20 years. Well, how about, I noticed you uh, mentioned Night of the Hunter on your list. I mean, that, that oh, is, yeah. that's, that's, a horror creepy. Movie. that's a bit of a horror movie. Yeah, but it's not like a scary horror movie. It's, like some pretty cool. scary stuff in it. That's a, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I never found that scary. I just Mitchum. I just I, I find the the I find the tale. You know, the story behind Night of the Hunter to me is fascinating too. I've I've tried to figure out if there's any way you could tell the story in the making of it. Um, yeah, the the relationship between Mitchum and Lawton. You yeah. know, they he Lawton was uh, totally smitten with Mitchum, and Mitchum knew it. And Mitchum said, you know, I'm not, I don't swing that way, but I, I will totally support you and, and was fighting for Lawton. Um, you know, he was trying to protect Lawton, uh, as rumors was, you know, starting to swirl that, you know, he was gay in the 1950s and that was going to, you know, destroy his career. That's why he only directed one film. And, um, uh, I, I just find it a very tender, fascinating relationship. I don't know what I would say about it, but I just feel like it must be a really cool, must have been a really cool story. Mitchum just always comes off as like a just, yeah, truly the coolest man. You just wish yeah. you could have hung with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's, you know, the Coen brothers are obsessed with Night of the Hunter. Sure. You can see you can it. See you it. Know, the end yeah. of True Grit, straight out of Night of the Hunter. They abide. The dude abides. The dude straight abides. out of Night of the Hunter. Um, so yeah, it's, that's a great film. It really is. Um, Joe, have you watched all the, all those outtakes that came out and all those sort of behind the scenes? Well, yeah, stuff? I remember, uh, Lawton kept the camera going. Uh, it was an unusual tactic, although today, and you know, it would be, it could be standard, but at the time, uh, you know, film was expensive, but nonetheless, he didn't like to stop and start and stop and start. So he just kept the camera rolling. And there's this oodles of outtakes of, of, uh, of, of begin, beginnings of scenes and ends of scenes and takes that aren't in the movie. And you can see him deferring to Mitchum in the, directing, in the direction of the kids because he, Lawton wasn't particularly fond of kids. Uh, and so uh, Mitchum sort of stepped in and, uh, and helped him. And um, 
it's it's really fascinating. I I, I do remember that. Um, I don't remember 10, 15 years ago, there was a, 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 a lot at, uh, at Goldwyn Studios, there was a, a group of, um, of directors and writers and stuff who were running old movies uh, at, at the theater up there. And um, one, of the, one of the movies they ran was Night of the Hunter, which was received with gales of laughter, the entire movie. I mean, they just tried, they thought it was like a camp classic. Really, and then and I saw that I, I didn't I didn't go to any more screenings after that. But it was it was the the kind of re- re- reception where, aren't we better than this, you know this this old uh, fashioned junk. Uh, uh, and so I just you know I, I've encountered that at various times around Hollywood, and it's just it's it's I, it's I don't I don't find it very uh, amusing or or uh, sympathetic. So I just avoid those people. Oh, that's I would too. I would too because there's there is comedy. I mean, the way the way oh Mitch is, when yeah. he's running up the steps and he makes that little, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that you know, there's there's there is, but there's also God the 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 sense in that the sort of indictment in that movie of of what we would call small town America. I mean, that you know, the the way that the ki- the kids in the end have nobody to rely on but themselves, and that mm-hmm. and that one old lady. Yeah. Um, and everybody else turns their backs on them and trusts the devil in, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's amazing. It's just amazing. It's, yeah, it's well, like, they, they, they were laughing at Lillian Gish, so it was, it was not, oh. not, it was not a sympathetic audience. Oh. What the hell? Yeah. Oh my God. I won't even mention, I won't even mention the names of some of the people who are actually fairly well known. Good Lord. As I say, name them all. Man. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> well, I don't oh. want to break them. All right, we'll, we'll take Joe out for a drink. I don't want to disappoint you. All right. Oh, well, we're, we've been in Hollywood. We're used to disappointment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're screenwriters. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this was a blast, guys. Uh, yeah, Ooh. man, Dennis, thank you so much. And, um, and good, uh, good luck with your show. I can't wait to see it. Thank you. July 8th. July 8th. Um, July I'm 8th. halfway through. Uh, again, all I can say is it's, it's, it's really good. Um, you, uh, you come for Lahane, you, you get Lahane. It's, um, I can't say more. I'm not allowed to say okay. more. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Steve tells me we have it. Cause there was another one I want to talk about. We just, I just got told we have a couple minutes. Okay. Uh, so if, you're, sure. if you're, cause, uh, uh, you also mentioned thief, which is just a movie I love to death. And I also, I did feel there was some, uh, Michael Mann going on on your show. Yeah, yeah, we we had a couple Man of love. shots. Thief, the thing about a Thief that I absolutely love is there's a scene in Thief. There's one scene, I love the whole movie, but there's a scene in Thief where he goes to, uh, he's late for his blind date because he's he's made a sort of devil's agreement with with Robert Brosky. Mm-hmm. And, and he walks in and she, uh, uh, she she's already drinking and she's alone and she won't go with him. And so he drags her out of the restaurant and throws her in the car and they drive across the city to this uh this kind of like airport diner and during the drive he he's saying things to her like um he says uh you know uh what do you think i do for a living what do you think she says you sell little effing cars and he says no i wear what three hundred dollars slacks and i wear (laughs) and he says uh he says i'm a thief i've been in prison i never even told my wife that who is gone right and and the whole sequence is really funny. And, and by the end, he's getting, he gets her to agree to marry him with the immortal line, you know, what else in your life is so great? And, mm-hmm. and there's what I find in that, 
in that whole sequence is that there is, it's the only Michael Mann film with humor. Hmm. Hmm. It's the only, it's the only one that he allows. What about the keep? (laughs) 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 Oh, Joe. Uh, But yeah. And it's, and it's this humanity that I feel like is, is not, you know, and I love, you know, he's one of my favorite movies too, but there was something about that sequence in thief that I just thought, this is what I want to do as a writer. I want to have, I want to have two characters who who can be both, you know, broken and, and somewhat tragic and yet funny and, um, and, and all their foibles and man left in these weird things like Khan in that scene in the, is, is sitting there and tries to light a cigarette and the lighter doesn't work. And you know, that wasn't intended, yeah. but they kept, they, he just keeps working with it. And so then finally he throws away the lighter and puts down the cigarette. And it's like, those are the moments I love that I don't think would now be allowed. Well, Michael Mann wouldn't. He would now do three hundred takes of it until he got. Ma- Michael Mann would not allow a, a lighter yeah. not to work in the scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, no, I love it. And then the great scene with him, basically, you know, explaining labor relations to Robert Prosky about the what's the. Oh, when Prosky gives the, the fruits of my labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, well, "Why don't you go call a labor union?" He says, "I'm wearing it." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what that whole speech with Prosky, where he says. You know, you you know, essentially, you work for me. That's that's as close to pure evil as I've seen in a long, you know, in a lot of movies. He's just walking around him and it's shot from upside down, yeah. and he says, you know, I will put your, um, you you know, you think you, you he says, what you think you you own your kid? You, your kid is mine. I gave him to me. You he gave him to you. You are renting. I worked with Prosky. He was really a good actor. Really good actor. Oh, so likable. I mean, that's the thing too. When you first meet him, you just, you just in that film, you're like, Oh, I love that guy. And it just makes the evil turn so much. Yeah. Colder and then horrifying. Back to work, Frank. Yeah. Oh God. So you, oh, burned out, you are busted or you are dead. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he never uses conjunctions. Um, yeah. I had a, I had a funny conversation. I met James Conn on a plane. <laughs> he said, turned into kind of an inside the actor's studio conversation. And at one point he said to me, do you know why Frank never used contractions? And I said, because from Chicago and people from Chicago don't use contractions. He just stared at me. It was like the longest stare. And then he was like, No. <laughs> did not use contractions because I felt that he would never want to repeat himself. So he would speak precisely. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, Glorious film. Glorious film. And another one I have several copies of because each of them has, you know, because there's so many different versions, 11 frames that another one doesn't have. (laughs) Doesn't have. Yeah. (laughs) The guy, the guy he finds fishing in the Chicago river and, Right. Oh. Like, okay. yeah, I love that scene. That's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Well, Dennis, thank you so thank much, you. man. The, thank uh, the you guys show so is, much. Uh, Blackbird. It's starting next week. Um, it's on Apple TV. Uh, July 8th. July 8th. It is yeah. terrific. Um, um, is that, is it the last thing Ray Liotta did or? It is the last television thing he did. And then he, he's in a movie that Elizabeth Banks directed called Cocaine Bear. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah he's he's uh, he's lovely in it. Yes, well. he was fantastic. He was joy to work with. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, sir. Always thank a you. fan. Can't wait thank to see you guys. Next see you soon. Yes. Bye. 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 Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.